Hello and welcome to YAF Podcast, yet another Final Fantasy podcast. This is season five, episode 28, and th- these are kind of like my final thoughts and outro for Final Fantasy V and, and, and the whole season, because we're going to be doing six next season, and I'm just going to be saying bye to this game for a while. Yeah. What's kind of cool about these outro episodes is that uh, not only am I done with the plot, but it means that I can actually do thorough research of the game find some fun facts and get context and understanding of some things that I didn't understand. And I get to watch a lot of cool YouTube videos with reviews, a lot of cool, like, well, yeah, I mean, YouTube, that's pretty much what I do. Yeah. In the past, I I was able to even find a few podcasts that did also play along and kind of listen to that podcast and be like, oh yeah, here are the things I missed. This is what stands out. Uh, Not this time. I'm guessing that Final Fantasy V is... One YouTuber said it, that it's not an underrated game, it's an overlooked game. It's anybody who's played it can say, hey, this is a pretty good game. Well, most people. I know one person in particular that doesn't like it so much. But I I liked it. I really, really enjoyed this game. So let's talk about it. So first of all, I played the Final Fantasy V Advanced version. Um, that game came out in... 2005, I think. And the game came out originally for the SNES, or I guess the Super Famicom, back in 1992. Uh, It made it to the States as a PlayStation release, and I've heard that that is like the release that you shouldn't play, because you have long loading times, which is surprising. You would think that an SNES game could load fully into the RAM of of a PlayStation, and you wouldn't have any loading times whatsoever, but that that wasn't the case. And I I can kind of understand why maybe some people weren't as big on disc media back in the day, because, like, how could you kind of screw that up that a last-gen game wasn't loading well? So I played the Game Boy version, and I think the Game Boy version of most of the Final Fantasy games are, you know, it's 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 a good version. I played one, two, you know, four or five on on the Game Boy, and I'm gonna play six on the Game Boy as well. It, yeah, like I said, it never made it to the U.S. on the SNES. And what's kind of interesting is that I pl- I watched a a speedrun of this game, and the official speedruns are uh, using a fan translation of the SNES, you know, the original Super Famicom version. They're not using the PlayStation version. They're not using GBA. They're using the, yeah, like as close to the original experiences you could get with a fan translation, a fan mod or whatever you want to call it. So let's, let's go through the story real quick. I want to quickly summarize it. Game starts with, the game starts with our original heroes. We have Bartz, we have Lena, we have Kryl, not Krilly, as I called this character the entire season. And it's Galif, not Galif. So I kind of screwed up those two names. And then we have Ferris. Did I skip anybody? I don't I don't think so. And the game, st- the game starts with the original party. We have Galif who gets um, supplant uh, or gets replaced by Kryl like later on in the game. But it's Bartz, Lena, Galif, and Ferris at the beginning of the game. Uh, what starts happening is that we have these meteors that fall down to the planet. And in those meteors are monsters. And one of those meteors actually transported Galif from his planet to our planet. And then throughout the story, you are chasing after crystals, but those crystals break. So instead of you trying to collect them, you're really just like always getting to the crystals a second too late and they break. And the reason that they break is because just humanity started overusing them. They use them to power their cities. They're using them to power their ships. They're using them to power all these different things and they get overused and then they shatter. And each shattered piece gets absorbed into the characters. And this is the basis of the job system. So each shattered piece, each crystal shard is a job. 
and that job becomes like a class that you can change into. And that's kind of like the main really interesting mechanic of Final Fantasy V is this idea of the job system. And the job system is way more advanced than Final Fantasy III. You can like mix and match abilities, so you're not locked into only the abilities of the class you're using, but you can use abilities from other classes, and then you can also switch to the the freelancer job or the mimic job, which allows you to, to basically pick and choose your abilities from your repertoire of mastered classes. It's really fascinating. Once you basically collect all the, not collect, but once you see all the crystals break, you have to start fighting the main villain, which is X-Death. Now, unlike in other Final Fantasy games, X-Death has basically been around since the beginning. Uh, I think we get a mention of X-Death during the, the fire crystal or maybe the water crystal when we're trying to save it. And from that point on, he stays the villain. There isn't a secondary or a tertiary villain. I mean, there kind of is, but you don't fight that secondary or tertiary villain, unlike in any of the other games. So once you get rid of X-Death, and X-Death is sealed using those crystals, X-Death travels back to his homeworld, World 2, which is where Galif is from. And you find out that Galif is from a previous generation of light warriors called the Dawn Warriors. You find out that Barsa's dad was a Dawn Warrior, and then you meet a couple of other Dawn Warriors. Once you make it to World 2, you're basically trying to go after X-Death the entire time. You do all these different like quests and whatever, and eventually you fight X-Death, but X-Death kind of wins, and what he's able to do is unite the second and first world, and you find out, hey, this was one planet at one point. The reason why there were two planets was because using those two planets and the crystals, we were able to, uh, or not we, but like past people were able to seal a bigger evil, the Void. Um, and they were able to defeat, the, the Void got sealed in an interdimensional rift that I guess was between the two planets. By uniting them, the interdimensional rift comes back. And that was X-Death's whole point. The whole time X-Death wanted to free himself and gain control of the Void. And yeah, that's kind of the game. And you eventually go into the, into the rift, you fight against X-Death, uh, then you fight against a different form of X-Death, which is the X-Death swallowed up by the Void. And then you win, and that's kind of it. So again, like a departure from previous games where uh, you would have like a bigger, much bigger evil that you would fight in the end. In this case, we didn't fight the Void at any point. We fought, I mean, maybe like a Void-influenced X-Death, but that's kind of it. Which I kind of, it was a brush of breath of fresh air having like one villain to focus on. That's kind of a bad summary of the game that I can think of. And here are some interesting, like, fun facts that I found out after. So, after you kill X-Death, there's a bunch of cutscenes about the party traveling, they split apart, they, you know, go fulfill their own duties, and then they come back together and, um, you know, celebrate... Well, not celebrate, but I guess, like, commemorate or, or think about Galif, and um, they kind of welcome Kryle into into their fold as a full party member and that she's never going to be alone and it's like a really touching scene the thing is and i had no idea about this if any of your characters die during the battle with x death those characters are permanently dead you get an alternate ending yeah i had no idea you get alternate endings with these characters being dead what it is just wild. So when X-Death kills you, you're actually dead. Um, I mean, if you revive before the end of the, the battle, you'll be fine. But yeah, 
Luckily, I didn't experience that. And if I did, I would have tried to play that battle all over again and finish it correctly. So I'm glad I didn't because that would have been, ugh, that would have been really frustrating. There was one interesting thing about this game that was pointed out to me in a YouTube video that I watched. And it was that the characters are actually really nice to each other. There are a few scenes that don't make sense. Uh, for example, I think all the way at the end, basically, um, Bart's Lena and Ferris telling Kryle, hey, you shouldn't be crying even though your grandfather died. Oh, Final Fantasy IV was full of that stuff. I, th- I think that was one of the reasons I didn't like it as much. But in this one, they, they're really nice to each other. They often support each other. They often are like, no, 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 we're going to follow you. Like, no, we're going to be, we're going to solve your issue or they welcome Kryle into, into their group and support her. And it's, it is really nice. And I'm so glad that this game, unlike for unified the characters. At some point I found out that there are a lot of like different spells. I I know this is kind of back and forth. I just wrote down a bunch of notes to be honest, but there are a bunch of spells and summons that I never acquired. One of them was Carbuncle, which I'm uh, really disappointed that. I never acquired it because that's that summon allows you to cast reflect on your entire party, making the summoner like an extremely versatile character. I mean, the summoner can inflict certain statuses on other characters. It can use, I think it was a remora that slows down or, or stops the, the enemy from attacking. It can use, uh, there's something else I don't remember, but it can petrify the character, which I think is like an instant death. Um, Carbuncle. Like I said, Carbuncle is the other one um, that you can cast, and those are all like defensive. And then you, all, of course, have offensive spells. But then you also have Phoenix, uh, the what is it, the Phoenix Summon, which allows you to resurrect the character and attack in the same turn. It is amazing. Um, the Blue Mage was introduced in this game. The Blue Mage is a character that captures the abilities of monsters, like Goblin Punch was one that I saw. Um, I didn't use this character, but it is definitely something that I'm thinking of like revisiting, revisiting the game for, because in a lot of guides, it's, it tells you about how like overpowered that character is, you know, and speaking of which I made so many mistakes in this season and I apologize for that, but that's, it's kind of part of playing this game blind where I try not to look too far into it. I try to make my own assumptions, basically play it how I would in my spare time whilst taking notes and probably playing it a little bit more fully than I would have if it was just my personal playthrough. I tried my best. Um, one thing I didn't know was that the freelancer class or freelancer job, so you have like a plethora of different jobs that you can pick from. Freelancer is like kind of the blank slate, but freelancer is super powerful because it gains all of the passive abilities which are abilities like dual wielding or two hand weapons. And you just automatically apply them to that character. You don't have to equip these abilities. And then you can equip active abilities. What I didn't know is that the freelancer stats, like your stats change when you change your job. I, I, I didn't know that for some reason, but the freelancer's base stats are based off of the best stats across your jobs, which gives you some kind of utility for classes or jobs that you might not consider like berserker, uh, job is kind of useless, but what's cool about it is that if you do master it, your character is going to have an insane amount of stamina, just like a wild amount of stamina and a lot of strength. I also didn't know, and at some point I found out, there's a class called Mime. Uh, it's an optional class that you can gain, and I did get it, and it's usually recommended for mages. And one of the reasons why it's so powerful is because it has a built-in ability instead of a physical attack called Mime. When you, or is it Mimic? I think it's Mimic. It's called Mimic, my bad. 
the mimic attack will allow you to ca do basically repeat the same attack that happened in the last turn. So if I have one mage that throws, I don't know, like Bahamut at the enemy, the next character can use mimic to use that attack as well. What I didn't know is that you don't use any MP. That is wild. It means that you can basically for free cast extremely high level class, uh, high level spells as long as the previous character cast them. And you can have characters mimic off of each other. So you can actually get into a circle of mimics uh, from what I've read. I haven't tried it, but it's quite, quite something. So the job system was definitely, I think that was definitely the part that gripped me the most about this game where, you know, it, it was something I've always had a lot of anxiety around because, well, I'm not, this stuff doesn't come to me intuitively. And when I played the first game, I had to look up the, the, an ideal setup uh, in the second game. I kind of muddled through it, but also still looked it up. In the third game, I mostly stayed on my own, and then once in a while I would glance at the game at the guide. This time around, I did look at the guide, but only to basically understand how these abilities interact together. And once I found out how they interact, I was able to build out my whole own party, which was two mimes and two freelancers, two physical attackers with spellblade, and two mages. One of them had white magic and time magic, and black the other one had black magic summon. It was like a different mix of that but that was that was that was the class that i used and that was something you know really just really cool to to have and to be able to combine these together and i'm kind of excited to watch speed runs and see how characters employ these together one of the first things that i saw in a speed run was the use of blue magic because once you learn a blue spell your entire party can learn it and so i saw a lot of you know changing all of your characters to blue mages and casting that same attack on a boss just to win really quickly. And I, I like that idea. The game is much darker in terms of the, the art. Um, there is a lot more blood and gore, I would say. This game reminds me, like there are a lot of levels that remind me of Doom. Um, I think there was one section in X-Death's castle that like you had flayed flesh for walls and blood and and what looked like screaming souls like it was very creepy even the final form of x death the neo x death just looked terrifying it was just this like it, it was like these monsters without skin merged together attacking you you know bones poking out it was terrifying and i kind of appreciate this i appreciate that final fantasy was like let's make this dark we're going to make this really dark. And we had a lot of more, I would say, enemies that were unique in that. There were a lot of like terrifying enemies, not just like, you know, Tolkien-esque or like high Final Fantasy typical monsters. You had monsters that, um, I think in World 2, everything was kind of poisonous looking. So you had these, just these like scary looking monsters that looked like they were born out of toxic sludge. And then you had like these scary looking monsters that looked like they were, you know, skinless animals and it was just really scary and and unique you know that was that was definitely a unique part i hope i come back to play this game at some point but knowing me i mean i have a quite a few final fantasy games to go so i don't think i'm gonna come back to play through the whole game but i would absolutely one day love to watch like more of these speed runs and see see just like how care how other people play this game it's uh yeah I was thinking of th I was kind of thinking of 
coming up with this ladder of my favorite games in the series. And, you know, so far, I would say five is my favorite. It is, it is, it is so good. The job system is fantastic. The story is coherent. I like that the characters are nice to each other. We get technically three different worlds to visit, which feels very expansive. Though I will say that I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit influenced by the fact that I played the 3D version of Final Fantasy IV, which I know is not the prettiest, but I, I did enjoy it way less, just content and story-wise anyways. So in my ladder, five goes all the way up top, and I honestly don't know where to place all the others. I enjoyed two, I enjoyed one, I enjoyed three. I mean, I would want to put four on the bottom because I enjoyed it the least, but that could just be the fact that I played through four during the middle of a pandemic and during a really stressful time in my life, and I played the 3D version, so like all these things together, maybe I just didn't enjoy it as much, but out of all the games, it was definitely, I had like the, the weakest impression of it. One was very fun. Two was difficult. It was difficult, and I think my opinion of that game ages like fine wine. I the the longer I haven't played it, the more I can only think of the positive things to say about it. Despite the loads of random encounters, the extremely long dungeons with no save points, that game that game deserves a solid remake because I think story wise it was great, but I don't know. Yeah, I enjoyed three. I think three was also one of my favorites there, except for the excruciatingly long ending. But I also remembered that I really enjoyed grinding that game because it was an excruciatingly long ending, but you could still play and it was still doable and fun and and everything else. So uh, I'm, I'm indecisive. I'm indecisive. I don't think there's much else to say about this game. It's just, uh, if you haven't played it, go play it. It's amazing. And uh, I will see you for next episode when I'll be going over the intro to Final Fantasy VI or first episode. It really depends. I don't really have much to say about the VI because I know nothing about it. But until next time, you know, you can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash yafpodcast. You can leave a rating. That would be great. See you next time.